Now on Netflix, inspired by the unbelievable true story of a fake hitman, comes the new movie, Hitman, from Academy Award nominee Richard Linklater. At 96% certified fresh on Rotten Tomatoes, critics are calling Hitman a smart, sexy crime thriller with surprises at every turn. Starring Glenn Powell and Adria Arjona, Hitman. Now playing on Netflix and in select theaters. Rated R. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Please support Unfound at Patreon, PayPal, or YouTube. On this episode, I have two Unfound Now updates. I finally run across a disappearance involving a well... I give my insight into the Rainbow Bridge incident, and I cover a bunch of other stuff, including continuing trivia success. I'm Ed Densel, and this is Unfound Live for November 27th, 2023. It is showtime. This is Unfound Live for November 27th, 2023. Hope everybody is doing well out there. We are now, uh, I guess, officially into the Christmas season, even though it's not even December yet. But uh, Thanksgiving is behind us. Hope it all went uh, well for all of you. Hope you didn't get into any uh, arguments around the Thanksgiving uh, table regarding politics, religion, Nickelback, Taylor Swift. I hope you stayed away from all of those topics. And um, I hope the food was good and everything else. It is. Uh, it was a spectacular day, although not very, very warm here in Clearwater Beach, Florida today. But it was a beautiful day, and in, if any of you follow me on my Facebook page, my personal Facebook page, then you know that I posted a video this evening of the moon coming up over uh, downtown Clearwater. Full moon, at least it looks like a full moon to me. And it was spectacular. It was like something right out of a CGI Hollywood movie or or something. And uh, I caught it and talked a little bit about that. I posted that video for everybody to see. And the, the sky was absolutely perfect. Uh, everything was just perfect, I think, for that video. It looked great. So uh, before we go any further, as you are listening slash watching tonight, I hope you will give this live show a thumbs up if you are on YouTube. If you are watching on the Facebook page or in the Facebook group, do what you can 
And if you are listening to this as a podcast, once I make this a podcast the day after, every Tuesday kind of early afternoon is when the podcast version of the show comes out. I hope you, you will give this unfound live show a nice review, five stars or whatever you can do on whatever podcast app you use. And this podcast can be found on every single app that the uh, where the Friday podcast can be found. So there you go. Uh, let's see who is in here uh, to start this night. I do not think that my assistant Cherie will be joining us. She let me know a little bit before showtime uh, that uh, she's kind of under the weather. So I said, yep, please. Uh, that's totally fine. Take uh, the night off, Cherie. So everything, what's going on, uh, nephew Charles? I'll be seeing you uh, sooner probably than we realize, Charlie, here in a few weeks in Pennsylvania. Karen, Valerie, I think of uh, the song, what is it, by uh, Winwood, Stevie Winwood, right? Is that his name, Steve Winwood? Yeah. Valerie, that song. Uh, Jasmine, Lisa, hello, Lisa, what's going on? I posted those links for you, the Patreon and PayPal links for everybody. And hi, mate, hope you're well. I hope, uh, who is that Facebook user saying hi, mate? I hope you're doing well too. Patty, Hazel, what's going on? Suzanne, Mary Jane, what's going on, Mary Jane? Thank you. Sharing it. Kathy, Deborah, good to see all of you in there. And if you were looking at the chat, maybe I haven't brought this up for a while. If you see all those people that have green names in the chat, that means they are supporters of Unfound on YouTube. And how you get to do that is you hit the join button. And you will get some things that other people do not get. So if you're watching on the YouTube channel right now, you've seen the join button below that. Sign up for the very, very, very low price of, uh, I think it's $3 a month, I think it is. You get some things that other people don't. So think about it. Those are why those people's names are in green. And Charlie says, yep, looking forward to the Ohio-Pennsylvania trip. Yeah, I will. Uh, I'm going to be in uh, the Denver area, if you can believe it. Right before that, I'm going to be talking about that before the night is out. So it's going to be, uh, I'm going to take the long way uh, to get to uh, Pennsylvania here in a few weeks. So that's everybody that's in the, the chat right now. And of course, a lot of people watch and uh, don't write anything at all. That's fine, too. As far as what's going on with me, since you uh, saw me last, at least on the live show, of course, if you've listened to the podcast that came out on Friday, you've heard me. But as far as the last time you saw me, since the last time, uh, last Tuesday, uh, my brother Brian and I and my friend Kevin uh, went and played trivia on Tuesday, being that we couldn't go play trivia on Thursday due to being Thanksgiving. On Tuesday, we went, and we came in third place. We are actually second place going into the final question, got passed up by a team 
Finished third. It was okay. Probably missed a couple questions that we should have gotten, but it was a good time. Haven't played trivia on a Tuesday at Fat Cats in a very, 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 very long time. So that was cool. But then by myself, I went and played on Saturday night over to a place called Sharks, which really isn't that far away from Fat Cats, but it's run by the same two people. And you might remember a couple weeks ago, I came in first all by myself, uh, competing against teams, of course, with multiple people. I came in first. One Saturday night, I came in second. And really, I should have won. Um, did not – I missed a couple questions that I should have gotten. And I didn't spread out the points, putting point um, point values on the different answers. I didn't do a very good job of that. And I lost by a point. And I, and I should have won probably by 10. Uh, so I'm kind of a smart guy, I guess. But the weird thing is, who did I lose to? I lost to another guy who was there by himself. I didn't lose to like some team with like five or eight people on it. I lost to another guy who was there by himself. I mean, I, I don't know what to tell you. I mean, that's very rare. I don't know how many, I, how many teams were there on Saturday night. I don't know, maybe 17 or something. And I think he and I were the only two people on our own teams, just one-person teams. And here we are coming in first and second. I can't explain it. I, I, I don't have any um, good answer for that. But it's a good time. And, uh, you know, I, I love playing with my teammates. We've been doing this over at Fat Cats maybe for 11 years, maybe like the year after I got here or something. I mean, it's been a long time. I mean, we hardly ever miss any any of the weeks. But, you know, I, I've kind of uh, kind of started thinking that, you know, I've got to maybe uh, try out my own skills all on my own. And I'm doing kind of well, I guess. Uh, I might go play trivia tomorrow night because I can't go on Thursday because we got the Dr. Telesco show on Thursday. So I may go tomorrow night. But I don't I know I won't go Saturday night because Saturday this weekend I have a disc golf tournament to play down in Bradenton and I'm not gonna go play and then come home and then go I'm not go trivia. I'm not gonna do that. So if I'm going to be playing trivia with over the next week, it's going to have to happen tomorrow night or it's not happening. So we'll just have to see. Who else is in here? Um Assistant Carrie, what's going on? How uh, how can we forget you came in first yet? You, well, you should not forget, Hazel. You should not forget that I came in first uh, two weeks ago, and I won actually by quite a bit by getting the final answer. Nobody else got it. What happened on Saturday was I think I was sixth going to the final question, and what was the final question? Uh what artist started the Cubist movement? What painter slash artist started the Cubist movement? And I'm going to, I'm not going to, I know I let people guess before. Of course, the answer is Picasso. And I knew that. And I guess a lot of other teams didn't. So I jumped from like sixth up to second. 
Whereas um, when I won a couple weeks ago, I was actually in second to going to the final question and ended up winning by like 13, some like crazy number or something. So um, funny how those things work out sometimes. Just depends on the questions. Like I said, I got a ton of questions right. It's on the ones I missed. I mean, I missed, I lost seven points on one question alone. That should never happen. Should never happen. Bad, bad strategy on my part at that point. All right, moving on. Um, Like I said, I got disc golf happening this weekend down in Bradenton. Actually, I've not been playing any disc golf. Been too busy. I have been putting. You can't see it in the background. I do have a basket here where I've been practicing my putting, which really needs it. And, um, but I haven't been going out and throwing, but I will get out at least one day before Saturday and I'll play one, uh, one round each day down in Bradenton. The one course, not too hot on it, but the other course, I don't mind. I haven't played these courses very much, but, um, you know, if I play like I did, you know, a week ago at Taylor, I should be okay. We'll just have to see, but There'll be locals down there that play those courses quite a bit. So I'm going to have a big disadvantage, but we'll just have to see down in Bradenton. It's not that far of a drive. So I'll drive down and back each day and I'm playing a different course each day. It'll be tea time. So just one round on Saturday, one round on Sunday. And then of course the final um, a bit, I guess, of personal news is that for Thanksgiving, I had told you, well, I'm going to cook up some wings and everything. And here, me, stupid me, I forgot to go get chicken wings. And the grocery stores are closed on Christmas Day. So I ended up eating uh, some hamburgers and some Cheetos. That's what I had for Thanksgiving. That's a true story. So I was going to cook up the wings, and I don't know what happened. It was like I planned to go get wings on Wednesday and forgot. I think I was busy or something. And I was like, I'll just get them on Thursday. Oh, yeah, that's right. Grocery store not open on Thanksgiving. So I, I do have wings in now, now in there now. Probably if I go to trivia tomorrow, I won't cook them. So maybe it'll have to wait till Wednesday before I get back to cooking uh, some wings. In other news, uh, maybe a couple other things. Uh, being that uh, my nephew Charlie, who's in the chat, and myself are going to Pennsylvania, I shipped a suit of mine to Pennsylvania last week. I put it in a suit, you know, one of those suit type of things that I have, you know, and as you would guess, I don't wear suits very often, and uh, but I do have a suit carrier. So I took the suit carrier, put the suit and the shoes and everything in it, and then took it to UPS. They put it in a box, and it got shipped to Pennsylvania. And um, so it got there. I don't know where if it, it's there. My dad told me it's there. I don't know if it got there on like Saturday or today. So it's there. Uh, my only instructions for my dad over the next couple weeks are to get the suit dry cleaned and to get me a belt. And I'm probably, even though I sent a shirt with it, I should probably get a, another shirt. So these are some instructions that I've given to my dad to do over the next couple weeks because my um, 
My sister is not requested. She has ordered everybody to dress up. So I'll have to wear a suit. And I don't think I don't I can't remember the last time I wore a suit. <laughs> I can't remember. It's it's been uh it's been a while. So um and then Charlie says, apparently, brother uh, Brian, who is my brother, Charlie's uncle, is bringing a tux to he is. He did tell me that. He, uh, yeah, you said that last week, and I think maybe maybe Brian did tell me that. Uh, I don't have a tux, and I'm not doing that. So, uh, you, you know, if I, I said I would show up, I want to be there. I don't want to wear a suit, but I don't want my sister to shoot me either. So, you know, life is a series of compromises. Uh, Hazel says, oops, nearly forgot Kratz on winning uh, disc golf last week. I missed last Monday. Oh, well, thank you, Hazel. Yeah, I won uh, over here at Taylor, my local course, by uh, – I won by a, a stroke, a throw, and it was very, very unexpected. Hazel, thank you so much. And the pictures uh, are going to be hysterical. Uh, yeah, seeing the uh, – it certainly is a hoot when I'm in a suit. And I'm I'm a poet, and I know it. So we'll we'll see what happens there. I think it should be a good time, and I'll be up there in Pennsylvania for a couple weeks. And as I just told my dad this evening, if I'm going to be there, it better be below zero, and it better just pour snow. And that's what happened last year when I was there for up there for what was it, ten days to two weeks last year. Uh, on Christmas Eve, it was like three degrees below zero and the roads were horrible and everything else. I loved it. If it's going to be like that, I don't mind. But if I'm going to be in Pennsylvania, it's going to be 30 degrees and overcast and everything's just going to be brown and everything. That sucks. I want it to be interesting. I want it to be a little bit of a challenge while I'm up there. So there you go. Uh, hello. Um, from Sterling, Illinois. Ashley, hello, Ashley. How are you? Good to see you. Good to see you. So, uh, Sterling, Illinois. I, of course, uh, was in Illinois uh, summer of 2022 for a disc golf tournament up there. All right, let's get started. And I'm actually going to start in a weird place. I'm actually, I have three questions that have already been asked before the show even got started tonight. So I want to make sure that I get to all three of them. So I'm going to take one of them right now. And I'll just go in the order in which they were received. So Jocelyn, J-O-C-Y-L-E-N-E, this is the first question is from her. How do you find – or wait, wait, wait. Now I'm gonna, I, I think maybe I didn't put them in order now that I'm looking at them. I'm sorry. Uh, they're gonna, all of them are going to get answered anyway. Uh, Jocelyn asked, asked, how do you find the cases you feature? Do you reach out? Do the families contact you? Um, most of the time, Jocelyn, Jocelyn, if I hope I'm pronouncing your name correctly, most of the time we are reaching out. Uh, most of the guests who appear on Unfound, we have reached out to them. Either it's me, uh, Assistant Emily, mainly are are the the two people that uh, are reaching out. And but I have to admit, Emily um, has been very busy this year. Uh, she's furthering her career, furthering her education. She has a lot going on. 
So I have to admit, a lot of the um, guests that you've heard maybe over the second half of 2023 are from me personally, just on my own reaching out to people, which I'm always prepared to do. I I don't mind doing that at all. Emily has uh, her own life to leave. You know, she has aspirations and everything else, and she's a volunteer. Uh, Totally fine. So I'm always prepared to reach out to people. So um, most of the time we're reaching out. There's a few different ways that I do that. Um, I have a list, a long, 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 long list of, uh, that I was able to get of disappearances that have Facebook pages. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. So I will go through that list, looking at the different uh, disappearances on the list. Go to those Facebook pages. Read up on the disappearances. I'll see if the Facebook page is active. I'll check to see if the family does me does media appearances and things. That's how I generally go about it when I'm reaching out to people. And of course, websites for disappearances are not that common anymore. They were much more common maybe 10 years ago. 15 years ago, but with Facebook, a lot of those have gone away, but there's still some out there. Like we know from this past week, Camille Darndane's, there's a website and it's a fantastic website, findcamille.com. So I run across some of those too, and I will uh, send messages. And what I do, I just introduce myself. I give them a link to link to the Facebook page. And I just tell them, I'd like to talk to somebody's family with the hope that that person could eventually appear on the podcast. And so that's mainly how it is happening these days, uh, Jocelyn, uh, for people appearing on Unfound. And so that's how I find the cases. Usually it's through Facebook, but I, I have to admit that there are they're just disappearances that I run across just in my casual reading uh, that don't have Facebook pages that aren't that well-known that maybe aren't even on even on the, the Charlie Project, for example. And then I'll just happenstance, circumstances, coincidence. I will run into some of those disappearances and reach out to those people too. But it's mainly reaching out. But then do we have people that, that, that contact me? You know, I know about your podcast. Yeah, that happens. It does. Not a ton. I would have to say that, of the disappearances that we've covered to this point, 300 and what is it, 12 disappearances, something like that. I would say maybe maybe 15% of them are like that, where people reached out, out to, uh, to me or to us or to Emily, somebody first. 15, 20%. I think the other 80% is us reaching out to people. Pretty sure. Uh, how that works out for other podcasts or YouTube channels, I really don't know. Now, you should know, though, that the the, the missing persons community is kind of tight. A lot of people know 
each other. So a lot of people, when I'm saying, well, people are reaching out to me, a lot of the times it's because those people have known other people that have appeared on Unfound. They know other guests. And they've met each other through some sort of missing persons day in a particular state. They talk to that person. Hey, have you heard about this podcast Unfound? Ed does these really good interviews. And then that's how some people end up. That's usually when it comes to the the family or a friend or somebody reaching out to me. That's a lot of the time. That's what's going on. So Jocelyn, um, it's a mixture of both, but I would say it breaks down to about 80% us reaching out and 20% people contacting us. That's just a rough guess. It might be, it's, it, it surely is not more than that. It's probably less than that. That's probably the high water mark. It might be more like 85%, 15%, but I'm going to just say 80, 20 for purposes of your answer. So thank you, Jocelyn, for the question. Good question. Good question. Or as they say on uh, Family Feud, uh, good answer. Good answer. So let's go to um, the Camille Dardane's poll. Very simple. Very, well, there were multiple answers, but it's a very simple question. Who was responsible for Camille's disappearance? This is a poll that I post in the discussion group on Facebook every week. Uh, as long as there is a disappearance to uh, that we've covered, and unlike maybe the update episode or update episodes, or maybe recently the resolved episode that played, and I gave the choices of uh, Camille caused her own disappearance, Kiko's responsible for it, Cruz is responsible for it, Cruz and Kiko are responsible for it, or somebody else is responsible for it, and in the in the discussion group. The thinking is that, yes, Cruz is uh, – uh, overwhelming majority of the people answered that Cruz all by himself was responsible. And um, in the think tank, pretty much the same. And if you're wondering what the think tank is, it's a, a group of people, a small group of people that get together uh, in a very, very private group, and we discuss – uh, the disappearance for that particular week. It happens at 7 p.m. Eastern every Sunday evening. And these people are all Patreon supporters at the $12 a month level or above. Everybody who's in there loves it. Patreon.com forward slash unfound podcast if you would like to take part. So in the think tank, uh, went through a lot of theorizing regarding Camille's disappearance but in the end, uh, almost everybody uh, decided that, yes, Cruz is most likely responsible for her disappearance, for Camille's disappearance. And then for me, the blog that I write at patreon.com forward slash unfound podcast, uh, I decided as well that Cruz was responsible. But I spent a lot of the blog writing about how do people um, – end up in situations like this. I, I think that uh, what was, you know, is it unique, but something that maybe catches our attention regarding just Camille's life is here she was in 1985, 86, 87, getting all this attention, being on Good Morning America, marrying this guy who was falsely accused. You know, everybody's thinking, wow, this wonderful woman. And you know, and, you know, eight years later, she's going missing and she's a, a drug addict. She's a felon. 
uh, you know, she's a, a prostitute in Las Vegas. And it's one of those things that, as I, I think I've used this example before uh, on this live show, and I know I've written about it before in the blog on Patreon, that had you gone to Camille in 1985, right around the time she's appearing on Good Morning America and getting all this attention. And, I mean, you we posted the video. You get to watch it for yourself or being interviewed. You know, if you would, if I would have been standing there off stage when she comes off stage and tell her, you know, I'm from the future, and you know, 1994, you're going to go missing in Las Vegas, and you're going to be an addict, you're going to be a prostitute, you're going to be a felon. I'm sure Camille would have said that's crazy, but that's what happened. And so I spent a lot of the blog writing about, you know, how does this happen? How does somebody going from, you know, living a good life, interesting life, making good choices and everything to just a few years later, whether it has to do with uh, a disappearance or somebody just ending up in jail or whatever it is, how does this happen? And... I even use an example of my life, uh, having gone from, you know, in high school uh, where it seemed like I could do nothing wrong to the end of my freshman year having a 1.91 GPA. How did that happen, Ed? And so I talk a little bit about that. I'm very honest about, you know, looking back at it now, now that I'm 53 and that was 30, over 30 years ago. What exactly went on? How do I view it now? And because I'm sure if you'd have told me in 1987 when I was in 10th grade, doing a lot of great things, uh, doing well in school, doing well in sports, I was in drama club and everything else, playing the piano, everything. You know, a few years you're going to go to a particular school and after the freshman year you're going to have a 1.91 GPA. I would have said that's crazy. But it happened. So, um, I write about that. So if that sounds like an interesting topic to you, along with the, the whole disappearance of Camille Dardanes, please go to patreon.com forward slash unfound podcast. And, uh, over 3000 words, you'll, I, I, you'll get to see a little inner workings of me, a little part of my life, along with my analysis of how Camille, you know, fell so quickly you know, in a, in a very short period of time. So what's everybody saying? Hazel says, love snow. Lisa, your hair looks amazing tonight. Ed, uh, I'll let it know, Lisa. Thank you. And Valerie says, Emily is a good person. I'm happy for her. me too. Me too, uh, Valerie. Uh, you know, I've known Emily uh, since for over six years now, although we've never met in person. You know, I've seen her go through a lot of uh, changes over the last six years, and they've all, you know, in contrast to me, just what I was talking about with Camille going the wrong direction, me for a time in my life going the wrong direction, Emily is going in so many positive directions, I can't even count them. She's making such great decisions and things, and uh, I'm so happy for her. Uh, for her. Hello, Facebook user who just uh, tuned in here. I don't know who that is, but hello to you. I just have to remember, if you're watching on Facebook, I can't, uh, I can't see your names, unfortunately. All right, moving on. I want to remind everybody that this Thursday, I kind of already mentioned that in the intro, 
that Dr. Telesco and I will be getting together. The band is back together for uh, the end of November of 2023. I hope you will tune in to the Fischler College of Education and School of Criminal Justice channel at 7 p.m. Eastern on Thursday evening on YouTube, where uh, I guess I'm going to be doing most of the talking. I'm going to be talking about the Colonial Parkway murders. And, of course, we that was almost a year ago. Those were the episodes that pretty much finished off the year 2022. Um, the update episode uh, was the last episode of, um, of 2022. An update episode will be the last episode of 2023 as well. But if you'll remember around Christmas time last year, uh, that is when the Colonial Parkway episodes came out. They were very long episodes. I think it was a total of over four hours. And I think I split those up into two-hour sections, or maybe I didn't. I, I forget. But it was very, very long. And so Dr. Telesco and I, that will, that will be the topic for her show this Thursday. But what I'm going to do, it's not going to get too, too, too much into Keith Collins, Sandra Haley's disappearances, even though they were the main topic from a year ago. What I'm going to do, given that Dr. Telesco's show is only like an hour or something, I'm just going to narrow it down to looking at the the three pairs of murders and then Keith and Sandra's disappearances and tell you, the audience, why I don't think any of them are collect, con- connected. Now, I did that last year uh, for the uh, those episodes back then. And I'm going to do it now, but it'll be in a little more condensed um, uh, fashion. And certainly getting to talk about all of this with uh, Dr. Telesco, getting her insights and anybody who's in the chat, of course, some of her students, assistants, uh, that will be uh, very interesting as well. So this... um, that's what we're going to be doing this Thursday. I'm going to have to pack a lot of material because I got to leave time for discussion at the end. So I really had to just narrow down to the essentials of those three other pairs of murders and also Keith and Sandra's uh, disappearances and really get right to it as to why I don't believe they're connected. And the reason I wanted to do it this way, you know, of course we could have, I guess I could have picked anything uh, for us to discuss this month. But really, the reason I'm doing this is because I do want it to get out there more and more that there is no reason to believe any of those murders and the disappearances are connected at all. The facts, I think, say, should lead us toward a direction of them all being seen as separate. Whereas I think for reasons of convenience, for marketing, for selling books and everything else. Too many people have wanted to portray this as some sort of serial killer or, you know, pairs of serial killers or something were working in that area at that time. I see no evidence of that at all. And so I'm going to present my argument uh, here on Thursday with Dr. Telesco's help. Uh, because you also have to remember something else. This whole idea that I think is the popular idea, that the most common idea that there was, it was just the work of maybe one person or two people working together. 
That hasn't gotten investigators anywhere. 36, you know, it started in 86. So 37 years later, it's gotten uh, nowhere regarding any of it. Whereas when you look at uh, the murder, the murders of from 86, 87, the disappearances in 88, and then the murders in 1989, all two, 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 and eight, all together, two, 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 two. There is at least one person in each of those pairings who would have wanted that person dead. That's what continues to stick out to me. And as soon as I started looking into this, really like in August of 2022, and the, even though the episode didn't come out until December, it took me a while to put it all together. That became very obvious to me very quickly. Then in each one of these murders and the disappearances, there was some really, 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 really good suspect out there. What are the odds? So I'm going to talk about all of that. That, Of course, I will have notes <laughs> for Thursday, and I will be interested to get uh, Dr. Telesco's insight. And uh, that is how we will finish off the year 2022 uh, appearing on Dr. Telesco's show. You should know, though, we already have all, all the sh- shows lined up for uh, the spring semester, January, February, March, and April. And I don't think I'm I'm ruining anything by saying in January we're going to be starting with the disappearance, the 9-11 disappearance of Snea Phillips. Being that I'm the disappearance guy, being that Dr. Telesco is the 9-11 woman, being that she was there, NYPD at the time, she has talked uh, a lot about her experiences. I thought that would make a good match, so I ran that idea by her. So I can already tell you for January, we'll be talking about the disappearance of Snea Phillips. Of course, this is a disappearance that has not been covered on Unfound. Um, Maybe it will happen one of these days. (laughs) Uh, But I have to admit, I'm not convinced that she disappeared uh, down at the World Trade Center. So not to give too much away. And that attitude might keep the family from ever talking to me, but I'm just going to say that. But uh, we'll get Dr. Teleska. She was the one that was there. So we'll get her opinions on whether, whether she thinks it's possible that Snea Phillips disappeared down there uh, at the World Trade Centers on September 11th of 2001. So there you go. Um, let's see what everybody is saying. Uh, hello, uh, Shelly. Uh, everybody, um, Please note that Shelly Barron, uh, the mother of Brandon Barron, is in the chat tonight. Um, and all of you probably saw the the recent news, very sad news, that Shelly's son, um, Brandon, of course, he was the, t- uh, the topic of an episode just within the last couple of months where Shelly and her husband appeared. Uh, very sadly, Brandon's remains were found. Um, just very recently, and uh, his remains were found not too far from where uh, he was last seen by Shelly and her husband, you know, for the last time, where they saw him. Remember, if you will remember to remind everybody, they were going down the road. They saw their son walking. They did not stop because of tensions that were going on at the time. 
and uh, just recently some uh, electrical workers clearing line, clearing like, you know, where um, power lines run sometimes out in the middle of the woods or something. Uh, they were clearing out some brush and they came across remains and they ended up being Brandon's. And uh, just want to tell uh, to the brand, uh, the Baron family, you have our deepest sympathies uh, here at Unfound. So that is uh, who Shelly is uh, in the chat. If you see her name, uh, very, very sad. And I will, um, all of you should know, of course, we have an update episode coming up a month from now. Of course, Brandon will be included, and I'll talk uh, a lot more in depth than, uh, you know, about more of my insights uh, into Brandon's disappearance. And you know what I talk about? Why was he missed? You know, uh, you know why was uh, why were his remains missed before? And and uh, I'll get into some of that for the update episode. And that is a very loud helicopter going overhead, and that is surely the Coast Guard. You should know I have my sliding uh, glass door open uh, behind me. And because it was such a beautiful day here, I had the air conditioning turned off, had the breeze going through here, and it is just a beautiful uh, temperature tonight. So I got to leave uh, the windows open. Uh, hello, Ferry. What's going on? Good to see you. Hazel says, oh, I must catch uh, Dr. Telesco's episode. Parkway, very interesting series of events. Yes, uh, Hazel, very popular, uh, but I, I really do believe all these years later, most people are getting it wrong. I think that too many people have bought into the, you know, the sensationalism of a serial killer who's able to kill all different types of people, different types of couples and get away with it. Uh, you know, too many people letting their creative side take over and leaving their rational side behind. And you know I don't do that. Uh, Hazel, it'll be 7. Uh, the show will be uh, on Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern, Hazel, on uh, the Fischler College of Education and School of Criminal Justice channel. Uh, hello, Carrie. Welcome back. Hey, there's Marty. Marty, fashionably late. Um, thank you, Kathy. Yeah. Um. Oh, wow. I listened to the podcast about her. Looking forward to the Dr. Telesco YouTube. Oh, you mean Snea Phillips, Lisa? Yeah. Like I said, well, we have not covered her disappearance yet. I don't know if we ever will. But uh, I had, you know, uh, if you remember from a few months ago in the live show, um, on the, the live show that happened right around September 11th, I did talk about her disappearance, kind of giving my best insight into it from what I think I know. Now, I can promise you, though, that when we get to talk to Telesco's in, uh, show in January, I will really, 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 really have studied up. So I, I make sure I get things absolutely correct. Um, yeah. Uh, she uh, Shelly, you're very welcome. You're very welcome. Yeah. Yeah, you got to be fashionably late, Marty. Yes. Um, okay, everybody – uh, thank you all for offering, uh, Shelly, your condolences. Yeah, thank you so much. Yeah, Marty, you got to see uh, Dr. Telesco's show. Yeah, if, I don't know if uh, Marty have ever caught any of those before, uh, but um, always have a good time with the, the good doctor. 
All right, moving on. Um, some other things. Uh, the next unfound now, where I look at a very recent disappearance, um, will be coming out before the end of the week. I've already picked out uh, the young ladies whose disappearance very recently happened. She is still missing. Probably going to do that on... Maybe I can get it done tomorrow. If I don't do it tomorrow, no. It's going to get done before the end of the month. I just don't know if it's going to be tomorrow, Wednesday, or Thursday. We'll just have to see. But I will get that done. I will post that, and I will give my analysis of a very, very recent disappearance. And if you've noticed, I try to go back and forth, male, female, male, male, female, back and forth, back and forth. Um, And this month... Um, I will be a young woman who has gone missing, who is still missing. Uh, moving on, uh, the found episode for all of you Patreon supporters at the $5 a month level and above, and all of you YouTube uh, supporters, you now know that the newest episode of Found is out where I go from disappearance to discovery of Agatha Christie. I've been talking about this. I've mentioned this on the... um. The last couple of episodes that it would be coming out, it came out uh, a couple days ago. I got the recording done. What was it last night? It came out last night, I guess. And so all of you Patreon at the $5 a month level above people and anybody who is a or not a subscriber, but a member, got to hit the join button for the YouTube channel. All of you now have access to that. And if anybody's wondering, well, what is that? Uh, I... Analyze disappearances that were solved. And so this month I took a, a look at Agatha Christie, who, yes, famous author, mystery writer, one of the most famous authors of all time. She went missing for 11 days back in 1926. And so I look at her disappearance. I look at the time that during she was missing during those 11 days. And then I look at, I analyze her eventual discovery. And of course, she went on to live another 50 years. She died in 1976. In fact, she wrote many, 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 many books. Probably her most famous books after her disappearance occurred once, once she came back. And if you're interested, there is a movie out there that came out in 1979 called Agatha that analyzes this part of her life. It's uh, fictional. But you might find it interesting. I, I, I'm not sure if I've seen it or not. I, I, I don't know. But Vanessa Redgrave plays uh, Agatha Christie. Dustin Hoffman plays her husband. And then Timothy Dalton is also in it. Anybody who knows him knows that he played uh, James Bond a couple times in the late 1980s. So... If that's something that sounds interesting to you, the found series that started back in March, please hit the join button on YouTube or go sign up at Patreon at the $5 a month level or above. All right, let's get back to another question. Another question. I already answered Jocelyn's question. We're now going uh, – Valerie, I see your question too. Your question is going to get answered tonight before we're done for sure. Don't worry about it. We're going to get to it. Then the next question was from Dawn, D-A-W-N. And her question is, was there a specific missing persons case 
that got you into true crime? Um, as I've stated, I've always been interested in uh, disappearances since I've been a little kid. I don't know why. Um, it very well may be just because I was an only child and had to find ways to amuse myself growing up. I don't know. Uh, I, I became greatly enamored of the show In Search Of, hosted by Leonard Nimoy, that I realize now is really, really a hokey kind of cheesy show. But I, if some of them are on, our, on our, are on YouTube, and I've watched them, not recently, but I have watched them. Uh, you know, a lot of things that are kind of made up and, you know, just we, we know how some those things are done sometimes, just, of course, for the sensationalism. But as like a seven-year-old, it's like the most fascinating thing, you know. I wasn't scared of all that stuff at all. I thought just found it fascinating. I'm like, wow, there is this world. I live in Gilpin Township in Pennsylvania. Out in, you know, outside of this little steel mill town of Leechburg. You know, and there's a cow field. There was a cow pasture with cows in it, like 300 feet from, from my house. I could look out my bedroom window and see the cows that were right there. But watching TV, watching that show, I was like, man, there is, there is this world out there that I, that I, you know, once I become an adult, I'm going to encounter it. And man, does it sound crazy. <laughs> really caught my fascination. And uh, UFOs and all those kinds of things, even though I don't, as an adult, I don't believe in UFOs. Uh, I have to admit, I'm not a big believer there that there are, there is extraterrestrial life uh, in the universe. Uh, you know, I've been reading a lot about that. Uh, a lot of, you know, there's a lot of new thinking on this. I realize with the Navy and the videos with UFOs and everything else. But more from a scientific point of view, as we have like the Hubble telescope and this newer telescope that can like look out like, I don't know how many light years or whatever else, how far out into the universe, what they're now saying is probably, even if there is life on other planets, we'll never meet them. Even if there is, there's no way to communicate with them. We're essentially alone. We may not be alone, but for purposes of physics and everything else, we are alone. Because uh, even, you know, if you believe that we can't travel any faster than the speed of light, even if, you know, we could travel at the speed of light, uh, you know, any of these nearby galaxies and are, are just so, 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 so far away. It's, it's, it's just doesn't mean anything. You have to remember when you look up at the sky, oh, I got, I'm going to answer your question, Don. Don't, don't worry if you're listening to this. You have to remember when you look up at the sky and you see a star, um, when you see a star, you have to remember how long it took the light to get to earth. When you're looking at the stars or you have a telescope and you're looking at these stars that are like far, far, far away, you're actually seeing that star as it was maybe thousands, millions of years ago because that's how long it takes the light to get to earth. You're not seeing it in real time. You're seeing it as it was back then. It's crazy. So the light that is leaving that star right today at this point will not get to Earth for like thousands, if not millions of years. 
That's how the speed of light works. We have to remember when you look at the sun, you aren't seeing the sun in real time. It takes light eight minutes to get from the sun to the earth. You're seeing the sun as it was eight minutes ago. That's what I'm talking about. I think that stuff's fascinating. But getting back to your, so that's how I got into all this stuff. But I would say a specific missing persons case, I would have to say that it was the internet era. And I would say, and I've said this before, I think, the first disappearance I can remember taking an interest once I got onto the internet. And the thing is, the disappearance in the internet kind of started right around the same time, at least in my life, was Jody Husentrude. Um, And I think that taking an interest in her disappearance from 1995 and then being one of the first people when findjody.com originally started like over 20 years ago and at a forum, I was one of the first people in the forum. I would probably say it's that. I would play it, probably say it was Jody Husentruth's because I got on the, the internet and she had disappeared right before the internet started in my area of Pennsylvania. And I've just been with it ever since. Never could have predicted I'd be doing a podcast. Of course, podcasting didn't exist back then. Never could have existed, would, would have ever suspected that Caroline Lowe would become a, a, a very good friend of mine, be a guest on the podcast, and I would be, you know, so deep into um, Jody's disappearance and, you know, analyzing it for the podcast. You never could have guessed that back in 1995 or 96 when I first got on the internet. It was somewhere around in there. So, so Don, I think that answers your question. Was there a specific missing persons case that got you into true crime? I've always been into kind of true crime stuff. But if we're going to talk about the internet age, me as an adult um, kind of disappearance that happened in that time, not a disappearance like Amelia Earhart that happened you know, way back when, but a disappearance that happened in like the internet age in the late 20th century when I was getting into the internet and everything. It would be Jody Husentrude that's got me into true crime as we understand that term today. So maybe some of you uh, maybe want to answer Don's question too. What was specific missing persons case got you into true crime? Maybe some of you want to post uh, your answers in the chat tonight as I continue on. Um, Marty says, I caught a few Dr. T shows. Uh, always a great show. Thank you. Um, Valerie says, oh, Beyond's excited. I don't think she disappeared at 9-11 either. Sorry, I'm passionate about that case. All right. So Valerie is really looking forward to uh, January for Snea Phillips on the Dr. Telesco show. Absolutely. Um, okay. Love that. Love the found series. Thank you, Marty. You're going to like Agatha Christie. It's a little over an hour long. And I, I read articles from like back from 1926. It's fascinating. You're going to like it. Missing on 9-11 was the podcast about Snea. I might have to listen to that. Is it any good, Lisa? You know, I know you are a, 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 a very passionate follower of Unfound. What am I going to think about this podcast if I go and listen to it? Just tell me now. Missing on 9-11. They will always be a step ahead. Um, I mean, aliens, Facebook user, maybe. I believe aliens have visited Earth with way better abilities than we have. All right, Hazel. Ed, stop spoiling my looking at stars in the sky now. I'm not, uh, I'm not spoiling it for you. 
I'm just telling you the physics of it. Now, the physics may be spoiling it for you, but I'm not spoiling it for you. That's just how everything works. And I'm a big Star Trek fan. You know, they're traveling way faster than the speed of light and everything else. That's just the way we understand science as it is right now. Uh, Ed, have you ever looked through a powerful telescope at the planets? I thought it was creepy. I have, Fairy. Um, I have. And it is weird. It's weird to know that you can see something so clearly and you know that if you were to jump in your car today, it would take it. You'd never get there. You could see something so far away that, you'd, you know, if you got in your car, you'd be dead before you got there. Weird. It's, it's really weird. I would compare it to, um, you know, when I went to the Grand Canyon back in 1998 and standing on the, the south rim of the Grand Canyon and then being able to look down way, 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 way down into the deep of the canyon saying, oh, well, uh, you know, the bottom is right there. And then you find it. Yeah, if you were to start walking right now, it would take you two days to get there. You know, it's, you can see where you're going. You see your destination. It seems like it's right there, but it takes two days to get there. It's crazy. Um, internet is amazing. Thank you for the answer. My friend's sister went missing in 94, and the internet brought her home in 2012. Wow. Uh, Facebook uh, user, who are you? Once again, if anybody's commenting on Facebook, I cannot see your names. Uh, Carrie says, Angela Hammond of Clinton, Missouri. That makes sense, Carrie. Uh, Lisa, that podcast is good. Okay, I'm going to have to check it out. Uh, Fairy started reading Ann Rule's books, Living in uh, the PNW. I was fascinated. That's how Fairy got started. Hazel says, I think J.C. Lee Dugard, and I was beyond thrilled when she was found. That's a disappearance that I talked about on the Found series, Hazel. And Fairy, I love Ann Rule. She and Truman Capote in Cold Blood are what got me interested in true crime. I, rem- I read in Cold Blood in high school. All right, so there you go. That answers Dawn's question. And Valerie, I promise I will get to yours before we are done. Um, some more unfound stuff. Actually, I have a bunch of unfound stuff tonight. Um, it seems, and I, you heard me mention this to my nephew Charles, who's, who's always in the chat on Monday nights. Um, I'm going to be going to Colorado before I go to Pennsylvania. And it sounds to me right now, Like, I'm only going to be there maybe for a day, (laughs) maybe two days at the most. Either way, I think uh, that I'll get to Pennsylvania on the 14th, but I don't know if I'm going to fly to Colorado on the 12th or what. But I'm going to be going out there, out there. We've kind of worked out uh, some things. And... I will be going out to Colorado to take part in a TV show, a three-part series regarding the murder of Janelle Matthews. And the, from there is when I will uh, go to Pennsylvania. Now, I will tell you, I haven't made a decision on what I'm going to be doing for an episode that week. Um, depends... Uh, I'm going to be doing the interview for uh, for the December 8th episode this Friday. So I don't know. I, I probably could. If I get an interview done um, you know, before that week and I can put the episode together, then it's surely, surely possible that an episode will come out that Friday. 
Otherwise, um, we might have to skip that week. I'm just not sure uh, right at this moment. Just telling all of you right now because it's going to be some traveling. And then I'm going to Pennsylvania. We'll just have to see. But that's what's going to happen. And yes, it's a British production company. And I did tell them, you know, December is probably, if you're from England, it's probably not the best choice of states in December. (laughs) But that's what they wanted to do. That's what they're going to do. So I'm going. And so uh, you will see me sometime next year. On this TV show, I think it's going to play in the United States. Uh, I don't know on what channel or anything just yet. But they are using a lot of – they've interviewed quite a few people. and But they're using a lot of material that I've provided them regarding my own notes, uh, my transcripts from the, from the trial. Of course, the letters I've gotten from Steve Pankey in the last few months. Uh, so I've provided them with quite a bit. So I will be interested to see how it all comes out. And yes, uh, I've told them that uh, I have doubts about Steve Pankey's uh, guilt. They know that. So I don't know if that's going to come out in the series. I don't know. Um, you know, I really don't know how they're writing it or anything. I don't know if they're just going to be play it straight and say he was convicted and that was it. Or is it going to maybe be something more like uh, like the series like uh, for Flight 370 on Netflix where they give maybe a, a few different points of view? Or here are the reasons Steve Pankey's guilty, but there are still things that are still unexplained. I don't know. And I may not know until all of you do when it comes out on TV. I don't know. Um... You know, I haven't gotten any script. I haven't gotten what they're going to ask me when I get out there. Uh, But you know me. I do well on my feet. So we'll just have to see. So that's something to keep in mind. You know here at Unfound, I hate missing Fridays. I've only ever missed three Fridays in the history of the podcast. Only three. Uh, But we may be coming up on number four. Maybe. We'll just have to see. Um, Hazel says other memorable disappearances are Brianna Maitland and Mara Murray. Of course, we covered Mara Murray, had her sister on. She did a fantastic interview. Uh, Marty Murray, uh, also from Marty. Oh, you're Don. Hello. Uh, well, hello, Don. Um, you're welcome. Uh, for, um, uh, thank you for the question. And I hope I, uh, answered your um, question there. Don, thank you very much. And it was uh, 2014. Oh, okay. Um, Ferry, uh, congratulations, Ed. Thank you, Ferry. Okay. Uh, moving on. I'm going to talk about, this is something I did not see coming. Um. Remember, uh, back at the beginning of September, the Unfound Now episode covered the disappearance of Andrew Griffin. And this was a disappearance, you might remember. This was a guy from Oklahoma. 
He had gotten in his truck. He was going to be going to a job in Texas. And somewhere, he, you know, he said he was driving across a river. And then he was never seen again. His truck was eventually found. Maybe this is ringing a bell for some of you uh, at this point. You might also remember that he had been in business at one time with some people in Ohio, and a couple in Ohio in a, like a restaurant chain. And those two people were murdered. And those murders are still unsolved. Now, I don't know where Andrew was at the time. I don't know if he was in Ohio or whatever. But that also came out uh, in the Unfound Now episode where I took a look at his disappearance, and he did go missing in July of this year. Well, I, I know somebody – what was weird is in preparing this Unfound Live for tonight, I know that some weeks ago – it's weird how this happens. Somebody sent me something or maybe posted something. I don't know. But they said that Andrew Griffin had been found. And I read it, and I wanted to come back to it. I was like, oh, really? And then I forgot. I got a lot of things gone. Got a lot of balls in the air here at Unfound. But yesterday I remembered, hey, wait a minute. I remember some of some weeks ago somebody told me that uh, the, the topic, uh, a person from an Unfound Now episode had been found. That guy was driving. Whatever happened to that? So – I was like, well, what exactly? Was he dead? Was he alive? What, what's the story here? So I started looking into it. Well, here's what I found. And I have to admit, there's no way I could have suspected this. So I'm going to read this article. Now, you should know, nothing has been written on this since this article. This article that I'm going to read came out on October 17th. So that's like six weeks ago. Nothing has been written about this since. So I'm just, I have to read this article from six weeks ago. I wish I had more recent information. I don't. An Oklahoma man with connections to an Ohio couple murdered in 2021 was arrested in Texas. Months after he was reported missing. I remind you again, this, this story came out on October 17th. So sometime in the middle of October, he was arrested. According to authorities, Andrew Griffin, 31 years old, is now in an Oklahoma jail. In July, the Potawatomi County Sheriff's Office began circulating a missing persons poster for Griffin. At the time, investigators said Griffin was last seen leaving a family member's home in Shawnee, Oklahoma, June 29th. Headed to a job in Odessa, Texas, investigators said Griffin was driving a company work truck and never arrived to work. Four months later, this is where it gets interesting. Four months later on October 8th, remember this episode of Unfound Now came out, I think, around September 1st. So five weeks after the episode came out, investigators located Griffin at Houston's George Bush Inter. Uh, Intercontinental Airport. So it's the big uh, airport in Houston. According to Houston police, Griffin was arrested as he deported an airplane as it arrived from Honduras. So he wasn't going to Honduras. He had been in the country, of course, uh, Central American country. 
He had been in Honduras, and he was arrested as he got off the plane. Uh, 1,400 miles away, an Ohio news station, station broadcast news of Griffin's disappearance and arrest. It does not say in this article how long he was in, Endor- in Honduras. In 2021, the CBS affiliate reported Griffin's business par- partners, Tom and Angela Strushen, were murdered in their home set on fire. Okay, so this happened in 2021. The couple owned two restaurants. We have classified the deceased Tom and Angela on Trails and, Dra- uh, Trails and Drive as a double homicide, said Sheriff David Lucas, Belmont County Sheriff's Office. Despite multiple offers of a cash reward and calls from the FBI for information, the use of cutting-edge DNA retrieval technology, the Strushen's murders remain unsolved. We're hoping to uh, hoping to narrow down the suspect pool to one, said Cheryl McCollum, found, uh, founder of the Cold Case Investigative Research Institute. Griffin has never been named as a suspect in his partner's murders. Now here's this next sentence. That uh, even makes it more interesting. He remains in the LaFleur County Jail, which uh, is in Oklahoma, where he has been charged with kidnapping and domestic violence. Griffin is also facing charges in Oklahoma County. Uh, I have to admit, I uh, did not see this one coming. And in fact, um, I did not have not gone back and listened to that Unfound Now episode. But I am can pretty, pretty, pretty much guess that in my analysis, we had to take a look at the fact that, you know, something was going on with Andrew and, uh, you know, that he walked off all on his own and probably was not still alive. Got this one wrong. Little did I know how wrong I got it, though. Um, I've I, I tried to look. I don't know what these kidnapping and domestic violent charges are about. Like I said, there's been nothing written on his disappearance since October 17th. Now, maybe somebody uh, can get into the Oklahoma judicial system there and maybe get some more information. Maybe that can be done. But he was coming back from Honduras, and he's been charged with kidnapping. I'm starting to wonder, was he a sex trafficker? You know me, I'm not a big sex trafficking guy. You know you know me to think that I think it's been a little overstated on how much it happens. I'm not saying it doesn't happen, but I just wonder if, It's uh, been blown a little bit out of proportion. But we have this guy who went missing. He's coming back from Honduras, and he gets charged with kidnapping and domestic violence. And none of this, uh, and I went back and checked. I I tried to find from his, uh, you know, from the time he went missing at the end of June until up until this article appeared, I couldn't find anything that anybody was after him for anything. That, you know, authorities are looking, he went missing, but authorities are looking for him because he's been charged with this. He's been charged with that. None of that. It was just Andrew Griffin, average guy goes missing. We don't know where he is. I did not see that one coming at all.
What I really like to know is how long he was in Honduras. It's, you know, what exactly was going on here? Wonder if anybody has any insights into this. This is a very, uh, very surprising development. Cause I have to admit, like I said, when I heard somebody, did somebody send me something through messenger or maybe something, buddy posted a comment to the link to that unfound now episode in the group or something. Maybe that's what it was. And like I said, it slipped my mind. And then when I remembered it yesterday, I was like, Oh, I, I, I have to believe that this is going to be that they found his remains somewhere. Boy, was I surprised. Uh, Ed, you got this one wrong and I, and I can live with it. Um, I, I of course hope we find out who he's charged with kidnapping. And I hope we can find out what he was doing in Honduras, but did not see that one coming. Um, I guess what I'm also saying here in so many words is I guess we must be open to the idea that he had something to do with the murders in Ohio. Being that he's been charged with kidnapping and domestic violence, it actually raises the odds a lot higher that he had something to do with the murders of these, uh, this couple who were business partners in Ohio. Of course, given that Oklahoma and Ohio aren't that close to each other, it should be fairly easy to find out where Andrew Griffin was at the time, you know, or did he have partners? You know, was this like a, a group thing that they all decided that that couple in Ohio needed to, you know, needed to be murdered or something? I don't know about that, but uh, maybe you all just want to write or type that name out, Andrew Griffin, and not forget it. And maybe, maybe once in a month from now, maybe the next over the next six months, you want to Google his name just to see if there are any developments. Being that, like I said, I, I got to believe uh, this is a surprise uh, to the general public. I don't think anybody. Uh, who listened to the Unfound Now episode from the beginning of September could have ever thought that this would go on. So there you go. Uh, Andrew Griffin, he's been found, and he's now in jail, charged with kidnapping and domestic violence. Maybe that's the reason he went to Honduras in the first place. It's just weird, though, that if these were charges against him, you would have thought that they would have come up when they said, hey, this guy's missing, he's been charged with kidnapping and domestic violence, you would have thought that. That's not what happened. So I just don't know. Moving on, um, I knew it had been too quiet. <laughs> um, we have, you know, here in 2023, and... Hello, Rockford. What's going on? Good to see you. Good to see you in the chat tonight. How are you? I knew it had been too a little too quiet here in 2023 regarding uh, Tom Brown, Phil Klein, and all of that. Uh, but Phil Klein did issue a statement, posted on a statement. I'm not going to read all of it because it's long, but I am going to read part of it. And if you want to read it, it is posted on the Facebook group. On uh, in the discussion group, the Unfound discussion group on Facebook, or you can just go to Phil Klein's page and, and read it there if you're on Facebook. Uh, is there any other place to read it outside of Facebook? I don't know. Does Phil Klein have a website? Maybe it's posted there. I, I don't know one way or the other. I'm guessing it is posted somewhere outside of Facebook. 
I just don't know where that is. The Klein uh, is the only team that has been involved since day four of, uh, of, the, uh, of the event of the disappearance. We have conducted hundreds of interviews and statements, conducted testing and pieced together through evidence gathering a firm timeline of events. We've had some team members, including myself, that have been accused of criminal activity only to be only for the accusers to be proven wrong. He should have let me write this for him. The family has hired legal counsel. Not that I would do that. The family has hired legal counsel and filed suit to bring civil justice to their good name being, he says, raped over the coals. Uh, Phil, Phil, it's raked, R-A-K-E-D, over the coals, not raped over the coals. And you don't have to put it in quotes which are pending currently in the courts in Texas after being accused of hiding their own son's body in the field, which had been debunked as unfounded, uh, interesting use of words, years before. A radio station even put up a used car salesman posing as a former state investigator who was really a a 19-year-old when he worked for the uh, TABC for less than two years in the 1980s and had no formal training in any extensive uh, investigative work. And what they're talking about is that radio station hosted, you know, with that radio host and that guy who went on there several, several times to act like an expert on Tom Brown. I told all of you people, you can't trust any of these people, not because, not because they're liars or anything, but these kinds of disappearances bring in all the kooks. I listened to that guy, and you should know, this guy's tried to friend me on Facebook like five times, and I rejected it every time. You know, I listened to this guy, and I'm not going to say his name, many times. I was like, this guy doesn't know what he's talking about. You know me, I'm not taking Phil Klein's side either for different reasons. But, you know, at this point, I have to agree with Phil Klein. He's right. This guy had no business going on that radio show and saying anything. At all. So, you know, I don't have a very, very high opinion of Phil Klein, but I will say when I think he's right, and I will say when I think he's wrong. That's what the media does. So, um, to reiterate, a radio station even put up a used car salesman posing as a former, quote-unquote, former state investigator, who's really a 19-year-old when he worked for the TABC for less than two years in the 1980s and had no formal training in any investigative work. That was obvious to me in about two seconds listening to the guy. We have watched a mother, a stepfather, and a brother cry and ask why would anyone say the horrible things some in the public have said about them, yet ignore the corruption within the criminal justice system and the same people who are sworn to protect the community cover up a homicide for either political purposes or other purposes. That's getting uh, pretty, pretty close to uh, defaming territory, dare I, dare I say. I will read that again. We have watched a mother, stepfather, and a brother cry and ask why would anyone say the horrible things some in the public have said about them, yet ignore the corruption within the criminal justice system and the same people who are sworn to protect the community cover up a homicide for either political purposes or other proof uh, purposes. Um, there is no proof this was a homicide. I'm going to keep saying it over and over. I'm not saying it didn't happen. There is no proof this was a homicide. There was proof that Janelle Matthews was murdered. You know why? Because there was a bullet hole in her head. And she was buried. In the ground outside of Greeley, Colorado. She was murdered. 
Took 35 years to find her, but still, she was murdered by somebody. Maybe Steve Fankey, maybe somebody else. Tom Brown, I realize they only got 30% of him, 35% of him, but there was no signs of foul play on that 35%. And he was above ground. He was not buried. Somebody didn't try to hide him. So what are they saying? What, what, what is going on here? There's no proof there was a cover-up. Could have been. There's certainly no proof of that. And maybe some of you who are kind of maybe newer to Unfound, you know, I know that, you know, I just know some of these people because I've gotten to know them uh, decently well, you know, messenger one-on-one, like Rockford and uh, Marty. You know, this all happened well before, you know, you became Patreon supporters, and I really thank you for your support. You know, this is a wild time at Unfound, uh, you know, 2018, 2019 into 2020. I'm here to tell you. You you missed some some times. But um, Phil Klein had a chance to present his case a couple of years ago. Remember that? It, It was even live. I think it was even live streamed on YouTube. I don't think that changed anybody's mind. I think people just came away thinking it. If you thought Tom Brown was murdered, you came away from the presentation thinking Tom Brown was murdered. If you didn't think that Tom Brown was murdered, and if you watched the presentation, you came away thinking, I don't think think Tom Brown was murdered. It didn't change anybody's mind. Despite it, Phil Klein and company having control uh, of the entire proceeding. You know, they could get all the slides and pictures and everything together and, you know, just pick out the very exact words that they wanted to use. And still, people came away thinking, you know what? I still don't think he was murdered. And these aren't people who are involved in any cover-up or anything else. These are just common people. A lot of them not never having been to Canadian Texas. You know how I know? Because a lot of them are unfound listeners. Whereas in contrast, to contrast with something else, being that I just brought up Janelle Matthews, it very well may be that Steve Pankey killed Janelle Matthews. There's certainly no proof that he did it, but it's certainly possible that he did it. But here's what I think I know. I can make a better argument that Steve Pankey didn't kill Janelle Matthews than Phil Klein can make that Tom Brown was murdered. You know why? Because I know that I've changed people's minds. Uh, regarding Steve Pankey. I'm not saying I've convinced them that he's innocent. I really don't know. But I've at least put it in people's minds using the evidence, using the facts, and using the the two trials themselves to say, aren't you a little puzzled that the prosecution could never put Steve Pankey on that street at that time? Aren't you a little puzzled that There's no proof that Steve Pankey even knew that the Matthews family existed. Aren't you a little puzzled that the prosecution in that trial never brought up whether Steve Pankey had a gun of that caliber that killed Janelle Matthews or not? These are some of the comments that I've made over the last, you know, since it all started about four years ago. See, to me, that's how you make convincing arguments. It still very well may be that Steve Pankey killed Janelle Matthews. But in my opinion, the the presentation that Phil Klein, what was it? It's been three years now. It seems like yesterday, but it hasn't changed anybody's mind. Despite him 
continuing to say there was a homicide. Very well could have happened. Unfortunately, the powers that be in the state of Texas uh, don't think so. Aren't willing to go to a trial, aren't willing to charge anybody, aren't even willing to name any names. You know, except for that. So, I, I'm going to say it, and I feel horrible. And you should know I've not talked to Penny in a long time simply because that she's just she's just too wrapped up for, with Phil Klein for me. I, you know, I don't mind saying this pub. You know, I mind saying it publicly. I'm willing to talk to her, but I know that anything I say to her, of course, I you know could say you know say anything to Phil Klein right here. Um, and he's although he's not sent me a message recently, you know, he's sent me some stuff in the past as well. But she, you know, I you know at this point, Penny doesn't want to hear what I have to say. So um, because. Uh, I have to say, I think I, I'm just more objective regarding all of this. Penny, if you're listening, it very well may be that Tom was murdered. But unless Phil Klein is going to do another presentation with more information than he used two or three years ago, there's no reason to believe that. You know, and, and of course, you have to remember something. When I covered Tom Brown's disappearance, how many disappearances we featured on Unfound? 80 or something? 70? We're up to like 312 now. We've got a lot more experience. And the fact is this. People are going missing like Tom Brown did all the time. It's very sad. This is, it's, it's horrible. I hate it. But that's the truth. That's what the facts say. Those are what the facts say. When you look at, you know, a hundred random disappearances, Tom Brown's disappearance doesn't seem that rare. It's only when you look at it in a vacuum and you don't know anything about any other disappearance that all these red flags start popping up. But when you compare it to a hundred other disappearances, random ones, you think, well, you know what? Wow. Tom's disappearance seems like this one over here and this one over there and this one over here. Ones that are solved that no foul play occurred. So, um, I, I guess this is just going to keep going, and I, I'm going to keep saying it, and I don't enjoy saying this. Everybody better get really, really comfortable with the idea that we're never going to know what happened to Tom Brown and why he died. And and it's not just I'm not just picking up Tom's. There are many disappearances that we feature on Unfound. I'm not I, I don't know which ones those are, but statistically, being that we're now up to like 300 some, statistically, a lot of those I could live to be 100 years old, and a lot of those are never going to be solved. It's very sad. It's hor- I hate it, but that's what the statistics say. So when I'm saying this about Tom Brown and getting comfortable with this, I could say this about a lot of disappearances that unfounded. I'm not just picking that out for whatever reason. I could say that about many, many, many disappearances that unfounded. I'm not going to you know, issue my uh, opinion on which ones those may be, and I surely could be wrong. But statistically, that's, that's what's going to happen, and it sucks.
So, um, what is everybody uh, saying here? Uh, Facebook here. So many people go missing from their car after an accident and a breakdown. Even though we have dogs and searches, they are still so close to the vehicle. Sometimes they are right there by where they went missing. Facebook user, if you're talking about uh, Brandon Barron, yeah, it's very sad. Uh, humans have not yet mastered the art of searching when it comes to missing people. Uh, as I was told by, uh, you know, Brandon's father himself on the phone when they called me last week, and I appreciate the very personal call that the Barons, uh, you know, called, you know, sent to me and called me up. I, I really appreciate that. Um, two hundred feet is what he said. Two hundred feet from where Brandon was last seen. This is very, very but. Once again, if you don't know anything about any other disappearances, you hear that about Brendan Barron, you're like, well, how can that happen? That's so odd. That's that, you know, that, oh, that's happening all the time. That's happening all the time. Robbie Hurt found with what? Within a quarter mile of his truck? Crystal Morrison uh, found what? Within a half mile where she was last seen at that shell station? Uh, Noah Davis found within like a quarter mile of where he was last seen. And I realized, you know, Bowman found within a quarter mile of where he was last seen in, you know, in Santa Monica, California. This is very common. But if you don't know that, if you only know Brandon's disappearance or one particular under disappearance and nothing else, everything seems strange. But it's not. It's just mistakes. And mistakes that continue to get made over and over and over. Um, it's a weird one for sure. Results coming right out of left field. Uh, yeah, for Andrew Griffin. Thank you, Rockford. One wonders what led him to return from Honduras and how hard he's kicking himself over that. Going back to Andrew Griffin, that's a very good question, Rockford. Thank you. By the way, sorry to miss the think tank yesterday on my annual East Coast swing from Southern PA to Northern Virginia. Well, um, I hope you're having a, a good time riding around those windy uh, highways of Southern PA into Virginia. There is no straight road going anywhere in that area. Uh, what's going on, Stitching? Good to see you. Uh, Carrie says a wild time is an understatement. Yeah, going back to a couple years ago for the uh, all the time, to- uh, the, the you know. All the stuff that was going on at the, that time regarding Tom Brown, yeah. Lisa says, I'm not on board with Panky being a murderer. I don't 100% know, but yeah, no proof at all. Thank you, Lisa. Uh, Stitching says, Texas is shady AF. We know what that means. Can't say it here. Carrie, they have to find more, more of his remains to make any determination regarding Tom Brown. I agree. Rockford says, the typical family bias toward a foul play explanation is on steroids because it has received so much publicity. Yep. And once again, this is one of those things that I really don't like talking about too much. Um, And it's really not relevant to when I interview family members for the podcast, but way more than should think that foul play occurred. Uh, The statistic that we have in Unfound is that probably between 60 and 65% of the disappearances that we've covered are foul play. Now that should that I guess that means that more than likely I guess Tom Brown if we're just taking it very general terms I guess I'd say he was murdered if you want to look at it that way. However, if you really start breaking these disappearances down by the person, 
by what was going on in that person's life before that person went missing. And then you marry it to the circumstances. I think a lot of those disappearances that are like Tom Brown's fall in the 35% and not the 65%. And this is the way you have to look at these things. So, um, but where I was going to say is most of the, I would have to say, when I first speak to family members, so many of them think there was foul play. When really, at least with my experience, they don't have the experience that I do. And I, I try to pass on experience to them. I don't know how many one of them want to hear it. But, you know, I tried to kind of open their minds and see more possibilities than that. Because uh, I'd say 95% of them, when they get to me, think foul play occurred. Whereas we know, you know, as best as we can tell, looking at, um, you know, and, and, and it kind of breaks down. Look at all the disappearance that have been resolved, 28 of them. You know, what's the percentage? Not a lot of those were murders. A lot of them were accidents or overdoses and such. So it's, uh, yeah, but yeah, they... Families, it's part of the trauma process. They want somebody to blame. I get it. You know, uh, just very, 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 very coincidentally, you know, uh, tomorrow will be the fifth anniversary of my mother's death. I know the feeling. Now, I know what happened to her. I know she got an autoimmune disease and fought it for like two and a half years and then died. You know, that's what happened. Um but you do want people to blame. The doctors didn't do enough. This, we should have seen this. I should have seen that. This person should have done that. Why wasn't her, why wasn't her, you know, regular doctor, you know, why what, didn't he notice this much early on and it could have been stopped? You, you can play all those scenarios over and over and over again. You know, you want somebody to blame. Uh, but when you get right down to it, not maybe nobody was to blame. So, but I've been there. I, I, you know, uh, I will continue to say that, of course, my mother, I think, uh, died before it was her time to go. And she's missed very much. Uh, But, uh, you know, very well may be in the end that nobody's to blame for her death. Even though at the time, the grieving process, you know, pointing fingers all over the place. So. Um, stitching says that's like South Oklahoma is shady as well. Thank you. Stitching <laughs> Stitching thinks, uh, the central United States don't live there. Carrie, sadly, it's easier to think that over other possibilities. Get it there. Like I said, I, I don't, I don't blame them necessarily, but it is my job. If they're going to come to me and we're going to talk and we're going to get to know each other. And, uh, these people are going to be on the podcast. I think I have to be honest with them. And what you learn is some of these families just have too many yes people around them. Oh, too many. All right, moving on. Another unfound now uh, disappearance that I need to talk about, and that is Wendy Guessing, G-E-S-S-I-N-G. And I have to tell you, this is one that 
uh, is now eligible to be as a regular episode. And I really, really, just like Bowman, just like Jason Landry, I would um, really like to cover this disappearance as a regular episode. Uh, But recent information, several members of the Will County Sheriff's Office. Remember Will County, everybody? You know where that is. That's where Robin Abrams went missing. The Will County Emergency Management Agency and Rockdale Police are helping Crest Hill Police search on Saturday for the remains of Wendy Guessing, the Crest Hill woman who worked for Pizzas by Marcelloni, restaurant owner Scott Harris, and was his longtime live-in girlfriend, vanished without a trace in the summer of 2021. Guessing's body has never been found. On Saturday, Crest Hill Police Chief Ed Clark told Joliet Patch's editor that his agency is extremely grateful for the help provided by the area law enforcement agencies and search and rescue teams. It is a real team effort, Clark said. Saturday's search in Rockdale, this is, I don't think, two days ago, but nine days ago, was taking place along the Wooded Rot 6 corridor from Brandon Road Locks and Dam all the way to John John's Manfield Industrial Business. As of no, no, noon, no bones or clothing belonging to guessing have been rediscovered. He said in October, Crest Hill Police conducted a search for guessing at a different location here in Will County, but the investigators decided to return to Route 6 in Rockdale, an area that was previously searched about a year ago. Saturday's search was use, utilizing more high-tech equipment provided by the Will County Sheriff's Office. Yeah, I wanted to use that equipment to find Robin Abrams. The police chief said that Connor Sweeney remains Crest Hill's lead investigator, and he's still doing a fine job in the case and work very, working very diligently in hopes of solving Guessing's disappearance. Now, if some of you, um, this is escaping some of you, she was working at this restaurant, like it said, is the owned by her boyfriend or fiance, and there was some other employee there, and the employee said, yeah, some guy showed up. And she said what she was leaving and just left, never came back. Um, I'm not sure what to think about this disappearance. Um, the way it was, um, you know, I have to admit that when the first news started, it sounded like she went with this guy willingly. If this is what happened. But now the more and more I think about it, I'm wondering if she was forced. The problem is we don't know a lot about Wendy guessing, guessing G E S S I N G. And because I have to admit the way it sounds is, did she have some sort of drug problem or something? And she went with this guy to go to good drugs. Certainly. But the more and more, this goes unsolved and everything. I'm wondering if she was actually forced to leave. I don't know, but I think this is going to, I'm going to have to put this on my list of things to do. Uh, I need to, cause it seems to me, my perception is that her uh, boyfriend, the Scott Harris, the owner of the restaurant is not a suspect in this at all. And it seems like he's done quite a bit of media, although he's not quoted in this story. Back at the time, he did quite a bit of media and, ha- and has done it. So I don't think they view him as a suspect. Uh, he was certainly not the person who came in and, and took her away, or he would have been identified. It was somebody that seemingly this, this other employee didn't know. So maybe I need to reach out to Scott Harris and see what he wants to say and see if he wants to come on Unfound. Got to put it on my things to do of a person to reach out to. 
because this disappearance uh, really gets me. I don't know what about, about uh, what it is. Um, you know, if she, you know, it's one of those things. If she left on her own, then we're looking at some other disappearances, even a couple unfound nows where people are at work and they just up and leave. They up and leave early. Boom, gone. This was not that. Somebody seemingly came in and got her, which is rare. And it's not some boyfriend or something. So who was this person? So um, for all of you who are watching or listening tonight or tomorrow, Tuesday, uh, I think we're going to do our best. You can pretty much guarantee that in 2024 – uh, Wendy Guessing's disappearance is going to become a regular unfound episode. We really get into Wendy, her background, her relationship with Scott and everything else. And then hopefully we'll get a, a better picture of all of this because right now the picture seems pretty foggy to me. Maybe some of you uh, look at it differently. If any of you have uh, opinions on that disappearance, please post them. Stitching says, look at Molly Miller's place. Yeah, and Cold Haynes, I know, Stitching. I know we covered those disappearances. Still not sure what to think about that stitching. I got to be honest. That is a kind of a stumper. Uh, thank you. I uh, The moon video they made. Thank you, stitching. I was talking about it earlier. Uh, yeah, it's a beautiful night out there. Uh, Valerie says, yep, 2018, 2019, Tom, 2019, Tom Brown was a big episode. Definitely. Uh, it was a landmark episode. Little did I know that that would happen when I um, – Put it all together back in the summer of uh, 2018. Glenn, what's going on? Good to see you. Hope you're doing well. Lisa, thank you uh, because tomorrow is Giving Tuesday and I wasn't out of control on Cyber Monday. Good for you, Lisa. Thank you. You're very generous. Thank you, thank you, thank you for hitting the super chat button. Anybody wants to do that, should have mentioned that at the beginning of the show. What Lisa has done is hit the super chat button on YouTube, the little square uh, with the, the dollar sign in the middle, if you'd like to contribute to what we do here at Unfound. I'm going to answer uh, Valerie's question now, and then I, I think I have maybe one more article, and then we'll get right to uh, this Friday's uh, episode, which is uh, going to be a two-parter. I, was, I edited the interview today. Valerie asks, what drives you to do all you do for Unfound and have you ever encountered guests that were not so nice? I'll take the first part and then the second part. What drives you to do all of you do for Unfound? Uh, I got to admit, uh, Valerie, that um, my attitude uh, for a long time, uh, I'm a very capable guy. And this isn't to brag or anything else, but I'm a very capable guy. I'm a smart guy. Uh, any job that I've ever had, I've always tried to do it uh, to the best of my, my ability, even though many jobs that I've had have, um, you know, probably been well below uh, my physical and mental abilities, just to be honest. But in having all of those jobs, there was always a part of me that thought, you know, you got a lot of abilities, Ed, and you and you want to use them for good, not for bad. It's kind of one of those superhero things. Uh, you know, you got all these powers and things. What are you going to do with them? 
And I didn't know what it was going to be. But I always had the idea that I needed to do more than just have some regular job. That I wanted to use my physical and mental abilities to do more than that. I didn't know what that meant. I didn't know, you know, when thinking about this like 25 years ago, and really that was one of the things that was on my mind when I moved to Las Vegas from Pennsylvania. Didn't quite go exactly as I expected, but it was always this idea. I don't know what I want to do, but I want to use my physical and mental abilities for good. What are my strengths? How can I use those things positively? And so, right, when you start thinking like that, probably a lot of jobs are not (laughs) going to fall into that category because a lot of them are, you know, you're not changing. Hey, we need accountants and everything else, but you're not exactly changing the world. We need them. Meet them. We need a lot of, but I don't know if they're really changing the world or anything. So that's what was always on my mind. So that's what drives me to do. Uh, this podcast, this idea that there's there's something out there that's for me in which I can use my physical and mental abilities, and it's really something that is good and leaves a mark and is changing lives and everything else. But like I said, when I thought about this 25 years ago, podcasting and everything didn't even exist. Little did I know. So that's the first part of your uh, the answer, Valerie. As far as the second part, I've ever encountered guests that were not so nice. Ah, uh, yes. I'm not going to n- name any of them. Um, you know, there have been people that I've spoken to that my personality and their personality just didn't mesh. That in talking to them, asking them questions and everything – just things go off the rails uh, for whatever reason. You have to remember that these are I'm, – I'm a stranger to them. They're a stranger to me. And, you know, I'm a very inquisitive person. I'm a very curious person. I ask a lot of questions. And believe it or not, sometimes that turns people off. Um there are some people that I talk to that they just want me to buy hook, line, and sink or whatever they have to say, and they don't want to be questioned. Whereas me, it's my job to question things. We may make mistakes. We may leave things out. We may get things wrong, you know, but it's never on purpose. But some people, they just have a – they want to get – the the disappearance out there, but they want to do it in their way, and they want to be able to you know tell from a certain point of view, and they want to leave things out. I can't do that. So uh, those are some of the types of people that uh, I've not gotten along with, and like I said, they're probably more than you would realize. And then, um, you know, there in those other types too that um, there have been a few times where I think people only agreed to talk to me so they could get me on the phone to just tell me how bad they think the true crime community is. 
you know, um, and I realize I'm part of the true crime community, and, uh, but you know how I feel. <laughs> you know how I feel about a lot of it, um, and I get thrown in with all these sensationalists and and everything else. And you know, there's just some people that don't see the difference, or they don't know the difference. They don't want to take the time to get to see the difference or anything else. And so some people just get me on the phone to do that. That's happened not recently, but it's happened. You know, here I find myself, uh, you know, know, apologizing, I guess, for things other people have done. So, um, so yes, Uh, have you encountered guests that were not so nice? Yes. Um, uh, as far as actually people who have appeared on Unfound, I I, I like to think I get along with, uh, still with most of them. Of course, we're up to 300 some, so... I can't keep in touch with all of them all the time, but uh, to this day, I've never had a situation where I reached out to a former guest from like three years ago and the person responded like, oh, you know, yeah, I was on your podcast and you really stunk it up and you're horrible. That's never happened. Um, However, I will tell you that um, at least Emily has told me, although not recently, this goes back some years, that. Um, you know, a couple of the people, guests that she got to know that were then on Unfound and she, she keeps in touch with them. A couple of Emily has told me, you know, a couple of them really, really thought, you know, um, oh, uh, that maybe I'm a little, little, little too black and white, a little too objective, a little too hardcore, um, a little too truthful with them. Uh, maybe to the point of them seeing some of the things I said as being mean. A, a couple of them have said that to Emily, who have get, get, uh, said that to me, but no, no guest has ever said that to me uh, after the fact to my face or through directly to me. And I don't even know who the and I didn't even I didn't even ask Emily who these people were. Just, I, I just uh, there's uh, the way I look at it. There's just no other way for me to do what I do. I realize there are different kind of podcasts, true crime shows, and things out there. But for the purposes of this podcast and the goals we're trying to reach, there's only one way to do it. And sometimes it can be difficult, no doubt about it. Uh, Rockford, my wife is from Will County, lived there her whole life until meeting me. I've been very subtle. Sully trying to get connected to ask about these cases. I'm treading very carefully. Yeah, Robin Abrams uh, should be top on your list, Rockford. Man, that uh, sheriff's office was sheriff's office was so crooked thirty some years ago. Oh my gosh, bad, 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 bad. So that's probably if you want to start somewhere difficult, that'd be your choice. Lisa, you keep there in the outline. Don't put up with a lot of speculation. I love that about your podcast. Thanks, Lisa. Appreciate it. Just um, like I said, we we'll go off on a few tangents here and there, but um, really just try to you know, I like I said, the reason I do it, I just want the the audience to speak for themselves. All right. Um, let me see here. Uh, I want to talk about this. Did you see this story? I'm going to, it's a very quick story. 
the original story was an Avon resident. This is near Boston, Massachusetts. Keith McKechnie left his residence on East High Street on September 7th, 2023, and has not returned. He is a 45-year-old Caucasian male, 5'9", 270 pounds. He, uh, Keith's family reports that he has a history of health challenges and may be resistant to being approached. Please contact the Avon Police Department if you have any information on his whereabouts. It says he just kind of walked away from his um, his uh, house with his family once again on September 7th of 2023. Well, here's the m- most recent story. Keith McKechnie, who had not been seen in more than two months, was found dead in a well in Avon Saturday afternoon. Avon police said he left his home on East High Street back on September 7th, never returned. The Norfolk District County, uh, Norfolk District Attorney's Office said a relative found him in the well near McKechnie's home. McKechnie was known to walk in the neighborhood. He was 45 years old. Emergency crews who, crews who pulled his body out of the well said there was no obvious signs of trauma. Avon police said the well had been previously visually searched. Our thoughts are very much with the McKechnie family tonight. Uh, this is a very sad result. An autopsy will be done Sunday or Monday, and this was just a couple of days ago. Now, the reason – why am I reading this story? Why did I pick this story out? This is the, the first missing persons story that I've ever read since I started Unfound that has anything to do with a body being found in a well. Now, you know, of course, we have 300 and – Almost 400 episodes now and 312 disappearances covered. But you know that I'm reading about missing persons news every day. And I post stuff on Twitter or on the X, on the discussion group, Facebook, wherever else. Of all of that reading that I've done seven plus years, this is the first one where a body was found in a well. I want you all to remember that the next time you start thinking, well, a body may be in a well. This is how rare it is. I'm not saying it hasn't happened. I'm not saying it won't happen. I'm going to guess that at least in one well out there in the world, a missing person's body is. But yeah, just have to understand how rare this is. The public really needs to st- understand this. So we start thinking about, well, that person, he could have fallen into a well or this or that. It's the first one in seven years. You also have to think about it this way. If we're thinking about foul play, there's, I don't think there's any foul play for his disappearance. But if we're thinking about foul play types of disappearance, you have to think about it this way. Why would a suspect, a killer, put a body in a well when the person knows that the well is going to be searched? Why would somebody do that? You also, this is, this, wells... Wells, bodies being as well as is highly, highly overrated in disappearances. Just is. Statistically, it just is. No matter what the general idea is out there, the statistics say it's really, 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 really rare, and nobody should ever default to it automatically, ever. It shouldn't even be your like your fifth theory. It might be your tenth, but nothing, no number higher than that. That's why I brought it up. I do want to mention one more thing. There was this crazy story uh, from, I guess, technically the United States. Did you see this story about this Bentley that uh, they have video of it just screaming down that 
uh, Street there in Niagara, uh, New York, Niagara Falls, New York, not Canada. And the video of it hitting that embankment and flying up and flying into the toll booth building. And uh, both people, a married couple in their 50s, like around my age, um, were killed. And they, of course, originally thought that it might be terrorism. I will tell you, I didn't think it was that. But I think of, you know, unless this, you know, this couple seemed to have a lot of good things going for them. I mean, they were driving a 2022 Bentley. Of course, rich people have problems too. But I don't think this was some sort of suicide by this couple. I I don't know how they're ever going to prove that now, being that the car went into a million pieces. The only thing that was left behind was the engine. Everything else was just, of course, I can't even imagine what what condition the bodies were in after that. The car must have been going like 100 miles an hour when it hit that. But they're thinking that it might be unintended acceleration. And I was reading a story that said that the Bentleys of certain year, like 2018 to 2021, something like that, there was some kind of recall for Bentleys. You have to realize this Bentley that this car is like a $300,000 car. Handmade. But they did have some sort of recall that there might be an unintended acceleration. But the, the year of this car was not the same as those cars. But of course, the problem, you know, with something when you have such a, a low production of a car like that, that you don't get to really um, maybe work all the bugs out. You know, Honda Accord, if a million of them are made, that's a lot of times to figure out what works and what doesn't work. With Bentleys, when you're only making, I don't know, 5,000 or something, um, it, uh, you know, you don't have as much, um, practice there's a, a a learning curve there and we also have to remember that when you get into these very very expensive cars there's a lot of things in them that are experimental that are very very like the cutting 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 edge of technology like rolls royces have a system that has radar that reads the the pavement out in front of the car before the car goes over it and it already starts to adjust the suspension before it gets to that part of the pavement. That's what they have on Rolls Royces. And yes, if I hit Powerball, I am getting one of those. Um, but you also have to understand there are cars out there that, that have had believed to be unintended acceleration. But a lot of this usually is proven to be driver error. Not usually of a 50-some-year-old. Usually we're talking about elderly drivers that get confused or something. A lot of this unintended acceleration stuff ends up being operator error. It wasn't the vehicle. It was just like when plane crashes. Most of the time, the problem was the pilot. So um, my mind is open um, on this right now. I really, you know, I really don't know what to think. Now, somebody don't, don't uh, Hazel says, don't blame the car. Um, Hazel says, saw that car crash on the news, right? Hazel, could the driver have had a medical event? That's a very good possibility. Hey, people in their fifties suffer heart attacks too. And this would, it could be that 
Uh, certainly, Hazel. Don't blame the car, Hazel says. Uh, Hazel, you're from uh, United Kingdom. You don't want to blame it on Bentley, right? Carrie, I can tell you when a car accelerates on its own, it is terrifying. I'm sure it is, Carrie. Rockford, I'm going with that as the reason. I don't own a Bentley. Thank you. I could believe it was the car if it was a self-drive Tesla. And um, so I don't know just yet. I don't know if they'll ever be able to prove what happened uh, on this. You know, if it was a medical event and it was like the first time it ever happened, I mean, what are you going to do? I, I don't know how you'd ever prove that. But I'm sure Bentley, you know, it does certainly doesn't want to get the reputation of having cars that crash themselves. So they'll take a look at it and, and see if there is a, a problem there. But that car was flying. I mean, this wasn't like 30 miles an hour. You watch that video. It was going like 100 miles an hour. I mean, it, it was just like Dukes of Hazard. Ferry, I have, have a question. When you are doing an interview, do you say to the guest, we'll talk about that later. Do you know your outline before you go in the air? Of course we do. I type out long outlines that both the the, out, the guest and I have right in front of us when we're doing this. So I know what we're going to cover before we cover it, Ferry. And so that's why I can say, like, we'll get to that because it's in the outline typed further down the page. So, yes, I hope I answered that. All right. So let's go to this Friday's episode. We're going to... San Antonio, Texas. Uh, this will be maybe the second time we've been there. We're going to go back to December 7th of 2010. So we're coming up on the 13th anniversary of the disappearance of Pauline Diaz. Her daughters, Paula and Juanita, are the guests. And I have to tell you, this, this is not as straightforward a disappearance as it seems. Uh, and even editing the, listening to the interview and taking out the mistakes and some things today, uh, as I do, as I did, this is not a stra- as straightforward a disappearance as it seems. And what's going to be very important, though, is that there's now a picture posted on the Facebook page and in the group. I want you all to go there and tell me if you think that the woman on the left looks like the woman in the top right-hand corner. Is it the same person or not? This is a very important little uh, task I have for all of you. Please post your answer in the comments there so I can see what all of you have to say about it because this is very important to this disappearance. Facebook page, Facebook group. Is the woman on the left the same woman as the woman's picture in the top right-hand corner of the same picture? Very important. Go and do that. And I haven't um, picked a title. I have it written here, but I don't think I'm really, really ready to go public with it yet. So um, maybe look for that tomorrow. So Pauline Diaz, she is on the face uh, on Charlie Project on Namus. Her daughters, Paula and Juanita, and the guests. San Antonio, Texas, December seventh, twenty ten, and that completes this unfound live. Um. So there you go. Um, thank you all for listening. I think we'll do this all again next Monday. But until then, I hope you have a great week. And uh, give this video a thumbs up. If you're listening, uh, give this uh, as a podcast. Give this podcast a nice review. And that's all I have uh, for tonight. I hope you all enjoyed it. I always like to bring you a lot of information. And... Um, 
That's it. Uh, Charlie, good seeing you tonight. Say hi to the kids for me. We'll be seeing, uh, I guess we'll be seeing each other here in a couple weeks. Good night, everyone.